You can ask me every day. Today we are top of the league. I'm so happy. Yesterday I was annoyed because we lost it, and uh, and we use that that today we want to get back there and and show that we want to be there, and that's all we're going to do: push um, to be the best as we can be, and and that's and that's going to be the aim. And then the table won't lie. After 38 games, um, normally it's it's quite fair. Table doesn't lie after 38 games. Table not lying right now for Arsenal fans either. And after a very uh, mournful few weeks here in the UK, which saw a little bit of joy the other day as the Fab Four got together, it's only fair we get our own Fab Four back together. Duncan Alexander, Matt Furness and Oliver Hopkins joining me and the writer of the worst ever links in the history of the day-to-day -day live for this one today. Uh, lots to look for, look back on as we're going to have a little bit of review of the Premier League season so far. Eight match days in the books, but only seven of them played, obviously due to the cancellation of match day seven. And just to let everybody know, it is match eight, eight match days through the season. None of this taking off match days and reorganising it. Absolutely disgraceful. Um, right then, uh, where are we going to start then? I think it's only fair we start at the top of the table where Arsenal are flying high at the moment. Good victory against Brentford this weekend. Ensuring they, as Mikel Artes said, go, went back to the top of the table. Uh, let's turn to our Arsenal correspondent, uh, Ollie Hopkins, for this one here. I think it's fair to dive into because... Uh, yeah, the start of the season wasn't even in our top five. Uh, the supercomputer are not putting them in the top five for chances of winning the title, Arsenal. But at the moment, in the driver's seat. Yeah, I mean, this this game uh, was a was a really good good display from Arsenal. They dominated from start to finish, really, with with the ball. They looked ex extremely impressive. Um, you know, Brentford are a decent side and kind of. Limit them to only five shots um, of you know very low xG value is is no mean feat. Um, I think this game really encapsulated, I guess the the progression that Arsenal have made from from last uh, season to to this season. Insofar as they're they're able to control control games with the ball um, now uh, far better than they were um, even towards the end of kind of like last season. Um, I mean they're. Their possession stats um, across the, the season as a whole are, are really impressive. Um, they are averaging more possession than they were last season, more passes, better passing accuracy, um, and also doing that in opposition territory as well. So in opposition half and in the final third. So their ability to, to control games with the ball, which is a, a kind of key Arteta tenant, um, has come on leaps and bounds um, this season, um, and yeah, the, the, the numbers do bear that out as well. Um, I mean, they they are, um, and, and that helps them really create chances as, as well. Um, and obviously, while they are top of the league, I'm not sure if I will be saying that they are necessarily, you know, a, a better team than someone like City, but there's real argument to kind of say that they are certainly in, you know, that second or third best team in the league currently um, argument. Um, you know, they've had um, 83 shots from open play so far this season. Only City have had more than that. Um, and looking a little bit beneath though, that into the underlying numbers, um, only City and Liverpool have averaged more open play XG. So, you know, this this team really are cooking uh, at the moment and look, look really, really good. 
I mean, it's funny that they're challenging City, I guess, because obviously they've taken a couple of City's players. Obviously, Jesus has settled in really well and Zinchenko's done okay, but obviously suffered with injury. they obviously got the set-piece coach as well. Uh, is it Nikola Jova who's come? Um, and, you know, and Arsenal are top of, of set-play XG this season. So it's like if, if their open play build-up doesn't work, then they're the best team in the division in terms of set-pieces. So... You know, I think you kind of saw it last season as well that Arteta is quite a methodical person and he's kind of built these sections almost bit by bit. And it's, you know, I think sometimes the results weren't going well last season for certain periods. But, um, you know, when it's all come together this season so far, I think the whole as a kind of, um, you know, as a whole, I think that the team and the club seem to be functioning really well. The players he's brought in and, and also the players he's got rid of. You know, I think that's benefited the the group as a whole as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, if we look at, you know, the likes of Liverpool um, and Chelsea being, you know, inconsistent this season, I think it's it's wide open for Arsenal to at least focus on trying to come second. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the the next game they've got is a, is a big one, isn't it? They're home to Spurs, who haven't lost yet. So, I mean, I guess we'll know more after that match, um, and they they play Liverpool soon as well. So, yeah, I think I think October is going to be a, a big month. But if they can if they can get through that okay, then I think they really are. You know, we can believe in them. I think with Arsenal, it's kind of it's always seen that, especially for the last four or five, maybe six years, they've always had that fragility there that. You know they get rattled and teams can get at them. The Brentford game last season, the first game of the season, I know they had a couple of key injuries up top, but that was an epitome of Arsenal being rattled in the game, physically being dominated, etc. It doesn't seem like that is happening anymore to Arsenal. They've got a lot more steel in their side. They seem very focused, adding those players like Jesus um, and Zinchenko, who are winners. They, they, they win things at Man City. Saliba, obviously looks mature above, um, above his age, looks brilliant in defence. They they look like they really are going to challenge for that top four this season and should get back in the Champions League. The one thing they should fear, obviously, is uh, their arch-enemy Diego Costa coming back to the Premier League, but, but that never happens, so uh, it's fine. Oh, what? <laughs> I think, I think um, on that point, Matt, I think you're right. I think gone are the, gone are the days where you can attack Arsenal in, in both boxes. I mean... Done, yeah, they've created more chances at SF pieces than any other side. But also defensively, they've only conceded 0.95 XG from set pieces, which is the third lowest um, total in the in the league so far. So, you know, they look good in both boxes um, as, as as well. Um, and what's kind of a, a, a curious thing about them going going forward from from corners, particularly, is they've taken 40 corners so far this uh, this season. They've taken um, eight of them short. But all the other ones, all, all, all 32 other ones have been interwing corners. So they haven't taken one outswinger at all. Um, so they've obviously kind of found something that works for them, kind of whipped interwing corners, Saka from from the right, um, whipping them in. Obviously saw that at the weekend again for the Saliba's opening header. So yeah, they've, but they've certainly been doing their homework um, on the training ground, that's, that's for sure. But have they been massively tested yet? The, the big test they had was Man United and they lost that game. Although they probably deserve to get something from it, that's the only question mark here, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably fair to say in those those other games where they were favourites that they, yeah, they they should have won those games. But I think to win all six of them is is probably un, um, you know that's probably a, a, a point in, in their favour. Really, I think you can kind of say they were favourites to win each individual game, but kind of 
combining six wins together is, is probably a little bit harder. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating, this Arsenal team. Matt mentioned Saliba there. He was pointed out in our Analyst 50 at the start of the season as someone to keep your eye on as he made the transition across from Ligue 1 to Marseille. And another player that was getting a lot of praise from Mikel Arteta post-match was uh, Granite Xhaka. And if you had said about two years ago about how Xhaka's relationship was with the Arsenal fan base, now it, it just seems to suggest a whole turn in a whole turn in mood at the club and a whole turn in culture that Jack is now so important to what Arsenal do and the fans are on side with what he's trying to do as well. And he, it really is beginning to showcase show I did mention earlier on about the um, supercomputer numbers. Just going to bring them up for you now with a little bit of a before and after. So coming into the season, we had, sorry, our supercomputer, let's blame that, had uh, Liverpool as the title favourites. Uh, and as time has moved on, they've moved down from 49.72% favourites down to just 11.29. Manchester City have almost doubled their hopes of winning the title, according to our supercomputer, now standing at 84 0.41%. But Arsenal, they're the team now knocking on the door. Arsenal were below Manchester United coming into this season. And maybe it does play into that little bit of what Ollie and Matt were talking about there, that have Arsenal really been tested yet? Well, our supercomputer is we're happy with how they're going and all of a sudden a 3% chance of them. Yeah, I think it might be beyond them, the title. I think that, but it's another very positive set for a side that were very close to reaching top four football last season. And now can probably look at really establishing themselves back in that Champions League football year after year after year. You're waiting for someone to come in there, Billy. I was waiting for Ollie to come in. He was on the mute button. If you're watching on the live stream, you'd see that Ollie was uh, on the mute button there. Classic, classic. Um, I think top four, given Arsenal starts, that has to be the minimum that they achieve this this year. Um there's, there's almost, given where they are in the league, they can't afford to to give that up away now. Um, it's a great opportunity for them, isn't it? It is really you, is. You know it's that really Chelsea, or not in, quite in disarray, but Chelsea and Liverpool don't look at the level they were uh, last season, maybe the season before. So this is a good chance for them. Massively. So now, Ollie mentioned about how Arsenal are having great success from set pieces. One side that are not having great success from set pieces or in open play or just in general in the Premier League at the moment are Leicester City. Another disappointing defeat for Brendan Rodgers' side. 6-2 defeat at the hands of Tottenham in that one. Um, and I, I would like to just, you know, start setting this up here because Duncan wrote a fantastic piece on the site for us this week. And I think it's only fair we give them a little bit of music because Leicester City are unfortunately the new crisis across the analysts in the Premier League this season. Uh, they are not looking good at the moment. I think it's a bit dramatic, that music. I'll turn it that off. That is a little bit dramatic. That's like when you wake up and someone's left a DVD intro menu running off round and round. But um, yeah, they, they very much are a crisis club. I mean... You know, they've lost six games in a row. Obviously, the first game of the season, they were 2-0 up at, against Brentford and, and blew that. And that, that draw was the uh, the only point they've got. They've got the worst defensive record after seven games of any team in Premier League history. It's the worst since West Ham back in, in 1965. Um, you know, and there's been some pretty bad starts in Premier League history over the years. So, for a team as, you know, consistent as less have been over the last few years, um, you know, obviously missed out twice um, on getting into the Champions League under Brendan Rodgers. And I think that's probably 
you know, what has, has caught them up a bit now. Um, you know, just a season in the Champions League, they obviously had one after the year after they won the league, but, you know, the, the revenue that brings in does um, does help you. And I think that the fact they haven't been able to bring in many players this summer is, is a sort of um, result of that, I think. So, yeah, it's, it's looking pretty bad. As you say, the set-piece goal situation, um, you know, it's funny, we, you go back a few years and I think some Premier League teams almost you know, sort of gave up a little bit on set pieces in the sense that it was, you know, if you could play so well uh, in open play, then then who cares? But, I mean, we see now all the top teams, um, you know, some of the routines now, um, you know, not just in the Premier League, but lower down, lower divisions as well. It's it's, it's definitely uh, a lot more of a contested and, and thought through process. But, yeah, Leicester have, have let in uh, 24 goals here. Um uh, since the start of last season, actually, they've let in 33 goals from set pieces, um, which is, uh, what's that, seven more than any other team. So it, it's it's not just a weakness, it's an absolute kind of gaping hole in, in their defence, really. Um, you know, it, we saw it against Spurs at the weekend. You know, Spurs scored two from a corner. They could have got a third from a corner. It was kind of dubiously ruled out. Um, and they're just, they're just so wide open. And, and it feels like, inevitable that, that Brendan Rodgers will, will have to go. But at the same time, he's on a very big contract there and they don't have, you know, tons of money to, to pay him off. And, you know, I've seen reports saying that they had thought about Graham Potter as the potential, you know, replacement. Well, it's too late for that now. So, yeah, so it's um it's a difficult, difficult period. I mean, obviously, they're not dead and buried. I mean, you think about this time last year, Newcastle didn't win a game until December. So you can go a long time and start the season like winning and be fine. But obviously Newcastle were able to invest a fair amount in the January transfer window. Um, and you kind of think Leicester will, you know, may have to gamble a bit and, and do that as well. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a surprise, isn't it? Seeing, you know, a team that, you know, won the league in 2016, what are we, um, six, seven years later? And uh, yeah, they could be facing relegation back to the, to the championship. And I think that's really shown by the, the the woes that they've had in the transfer market by obviously losing Casper Schmeichel. I mean, good opportunity for Schmeichel to head off to Nice. Uh, I know there was a lot of conversation, but it was the fact that they weren't able to get in that replacement. And, and Danny Ward is in gold at the moment for this side and just is struggling. Uh, we have to be honest, like conceding well above his expected goals against um, suspected uh, point. It's about minus 4.5. Uh, he really is just being put under a lot of pressure in that net. And Brendan Rogers said in his post-match press conference, look, if we had the opportunity in the transfer market to have bought someone new, we would have done, but we just don't have the funds. We don't have that ability. And yeah, Danny's been a good number two. And right now he's, well, the guy in the OK Corral who's getting massively shot at. And unfortunately the bullets are going past him and through him. maybe. <laughs> well, that's a mixed metaphor. I've ever yeah. One. But yeah, no, you're right. Um, it's it's the hardest position, isn't it, goalkeeper? When when it's not going well, it, you can see he he became increasingly um, nervous during that Spurs game. I mean, don't forget the previous game, Bright, um, Leicester played. They lost five to at Brighton, so you know that's eleven goals in two games. It's it's you know it's dire really. And um, that was another yeah, game really... that collapsed as well, wasn't it? Don't they just yeah. collapsed in the second half. Yeah, and they were probably thinking, oh, Graham Potter. Yeah, there it is. Look, just just on the touchline. But um, I mean, they've got. I think they've got Forest coming up next after the international break. Which you know, the East. I was thinking at the weekend, the East Midlands was with the maddest region in football. Because you think about it, obviously, Forest. You know, you might have heard they've won the European Cup twice. Um, you know, they came up straight up and won the 
won the league in the 70s. Leicester obviously came up and two years in won the Premier League. Um, you know, Derby kind of bounced about all over the shot. They obviously 11 points in 07 08. It, it's never, it's either, you know, feast or famine in the, uh, in the East Midlands football scene. So, um, yeah, that's going to be, that's a really big game, Leicester Forest. Um, and, you know, when you see their 19th and 20th, that, that is going to be uh, definitely one to tune in for. And it's worth checking out the uh, current what our supercomputer is saying on the relegation front. And I think just just really shows how important these games coming up are. I mean, Forest still heavy favourites, obviously, to suffer relegation. But Leicester weren't even in our top 10 coming into the season. That, in fact, had a 4.1% chance of finishing in the top four coming into the season, according to our supercomputer. And now Leicester have a 22% chance of being relegated at the end of this season. Wolves obviously in there as well. Everton, even with those victories over West Ham, who we'll come on to in just a little while. Um, still the sides in the mer alongside uh, Bournemouth. And I have to be honest with you, watching the post-match press conferences when they came through, I think you can tell that Brendan Rodgers knows his time might just be up. I'm not daft. I, I know football. The the last six games, of course, losing it. It's um, it doesn't make great reading, but I've I've every confidence that the team can can push on. And um, if they play like they did for large parts, cut out the mistakes, then uh, they'll climb the table. Interesting use of the term. They'll climb the table, not we'll. They'll climb the table. Um, to me, that suggests a man who knows. The, the uh, time is narrowing in, and it's good to see as well. I mean, obviously, we mentioned Graham Potter earlier on being linked with the role. Today's linked with the role. Well, Leicester have just gone, right, what did we do last time we sacked a manager? Oh, we went to Celtic. Right, who's in charge there? And Postacoglu uh, apparently being very heavily linked with the role at the King Power Stadium now. Um, I mean... Claudio Ranieri and Roy Hodgson are free. <laughs> you just want to see Hodgson come back and get relegated again with another club in the Premier League, don't you, Matt? I mean, that's all yeah. it really is. And then go and applaud the Crystal Palace fans. We should point out that on those relegation uh, odds from the supercomputer, there's there's no Fulham, which I think is testament to yeah. how well they've started. And you know they're they're in sixth place at the moment. They've got the same record after seven games that the Manchester United did in 2002-03 when they went on to win the league. So I don't think Fulham are going to win the league. But you know compared to what we've seen the last couple of times they've been up, um, I think they're really enjoyable to watch. Um, and I think of the they're definitely the best of the the three promoted teams. Really Marco a- Silva is an amazingly good coach like he's just such a good manager like he was brilliant when he came in at Watford he did really quite well at Everton in the first season and then just petered out a little bit there and he took some time out of the uh the managerial game and then came back to Fulham didn't he and he's been brilliant for them ever since scoring a scoring for fun last season as well in the championship so I think that's what fans want to see that he's he's not reverted to kind of like I will try and defend like Mm get scrape points here and there they've kept up that attacking ethos and they're doing really well because of it yeah and any manager that can inspire fans to bring plastic snakes to an away game should always be praised so I've just had a little chat with our supercomputer offline very quickly. Fulham's uh, relegation chance, 13.94%, is actually below that of Southampton and Aston Villa as well. So real testament to the newly promoted side there, who were in our um, three favourites to go back down straight away. It was a three-up, three-down situation, according to our supercomputer. So Fulham really turning it around there and only just less than a percentage point away from Brentford's chance of being relegated. So if Brentford becomes like their marker... 
pretty decent for them. Right, we've had enough talking about West London. Let's head out east, shall we? Because it's another team who are slightly struggling at times this season. Defeat to Everton at the weekend. Not exactly what West Ham United wanted. Uh, Matt's going to help us dive into a little bit of this one because these woes aren't anything new for the man that we'll call David Moyes rather than some people who like to just call him Moisey. Yeah, it's it's been a pretty grim period for West Ham. It's actually started around Christmas time last year. They they scraped a couple of good wins against teams in between poor runs. But actually, qualify since qualifying for the uh, Europa League semi-finals last April, their form has been woeful. They've won nine points in thirteen Premier League games, only won twice out of that. That's fewer than Burnley, who are relegated, and Fulham, who have been promoted since. Um, and yeah, they've played fewer games seven games for Fulham, eight games for Burnley. So Wolves have won fewer than West Ham. So West Ham aren't the worst team over that period. But it, it will worry them that so much of their focus has been on European football last season. They're going to go through that again this season as one of the favourites for the Conference League. So they've got to adjust to that. Well, not adjust because they had it last season, but they've got to play that Thursday night, Sunday period. And the next three games are against teams that, Normally, on paper, you'd probably expect West Ham to beat. Um, Fulham, Southampton, I think, as well in there. There's another game against Nottingham Forest, I think. But two of those are on Sundays following a Thursday of European action as well. So you can never really tell how that's going to go. Um, they don't seem to have really moved away from relying so much on Mikel Antonio for their attacking threat. I know Jared Bowen had a really good season last season. Declan Rice, we know, was linked to moves away in the summer, but they managed to keep hold of him. His performances this season haven't been as strong as they were last season. His major improvement last year was being able to carry the ball upfield and being a real threat for West Ham in those positions. We haven't seen that this season. Um, his carries have reduced by, what, six per 90 on average. Carry distance is nearly, what, 80, 90 metres less per game. Progressively as well, that's three per game fewer than last season. And also in distance, that's, that's reduced a lot as well. So he's not being able to push the ball forward and advance West Ham like he did last season from deeper line positions. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned as well, obviously, all the stuff about Rice as well. Uh, David Moyes did reflect on this in his post-match press conference. We do have the clip, but I'm not going to show it because you've basically already talked through it. But he's saying that basically, yeah, there is this Thursday-Sunday transition at the start of last season, did it perfectly fine. Um, but at the moment, they're just in a very sticky spell with these games, and they've got to get their they've got to get their heads around it. And Moyes also has said, "Look, give me the op opportunity. Do I want to be in Europe or do I not want to be in Europe? I'd rather have this headache of playing Thursday Sunday because European football is where we need to be." Mm. Um, and I thought that was quite a good sort of honest thing. It's kind of like, yeah, they have to do that. They if you if you want the glory of playing in Europe, you, you've got to deal with the fact that on the domestic front, you're going to come off short rest. And you're going to have to be good to go. The, the, the difficulty Moyes has got now is that he's set a new expectation from fans of what West Ham should be doing. Um, the last two seasons have been really good, both in league and in Europe last season, where they reached the semi-final of the Europa League. And that's almost kind of what's happened to Rodgers at Leicester, where that expectation over time, I know they won the league in 2015-16, but that was almost reset the next season when they nearly were relegated. And Rodgers has built that team up, winning the FA Cup final, getting into Europe. And now it's kind of like, well, we can't sustain that. And it doesn't look good on. So, yeah, West Ham are now going through that.
I think what it is as well is that clubs like West Ham and Leicester, you know, you hit on a hit on a blueprint that will work for half a season or, or a good run. And if you think about the start of last season, West Ham, obviously Suchek was scoring a lot of goals. Um, Antonio was massively overperforming on XG. You know, it, it didn't look that sustainable. He's obviously getting on a bit as well. They have, but they, West Ham kind of got away with it, even with a really small squad. And, and rightly so, they have tried to, you know, address that, you know, bringing in people like Skameka and Paqueta. But it takes, you know, some of the, bringing in players from other countries doesn't, you know, it takes a while to settle in. Um, they just look a little bit disjointed at the moment. And they've, you know, in terms of open play XG, they've only, only Bournemouth have created less than them in the, in the Premier League this season, which, you know, for a team with at least top half ambitions and, and European ambitions, as you say, just isn't good enough. And it feels like, you know, the, I think the international break's probably come at a good time for them in the sense that they can, you know, David Moyes and his coaching team can actually go and think about how they want to approach games because, you know, when they went trailed to Everton at the weekend, they did have a, they did step it up for the last sort of 15 minutes. And, you know, they have got the players that can, can win games. It's just, you know, football clubs go through spells when it doesn't, things don't quite work. You know, you get half the team on six out of 10 rather than sevens and eights. And, and that's where they are at the moment. I think they will climb the table, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it, it's finding that balance, I think. And, uh, uh, you know, Moyes, sorry. Yeah, but I just... You go, you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, just saying, Moyes, he has had that in jobs before where he has, you know, remember when he was Everton manager, he'd have yeah. a season when he'd take them to top six and then a season when they'd finish sort of 16th or 17th. So he does have sort of, you know, quite differing seasons from one to the next. Yeah, the risk of going all GB news as well, but losing a figure like Mark Noble from that dressing room, who's a vocal figure, knows everything about the club, knows what it's all about, knows the expectation of fans. That's going to affect some of those players as well, um, especially newly integrated players into that squad, knowing about what the club's about. And that's kind of falling on Declan Rice's shoulders now as well, I guess. Um, so I think that's probably having a, an impact off the pitch. Yeah, Moyes, Moyes actually sort of referred to this, obviously coming up to an international break here. And he said in, in his post-match press conference about how the players they're signing are now getting recognition on the international stage. You've got player I think they've got players in the Germany squad I think they've got players in the Brazil squad and he's sort of saying these are the guys we want to play for West Ham but it's I think you might be right there Matt again I think that culture just losing a leadership and a character like Noble in the dressing room who's grouping everybody together at the moment is it Declan Rice I don't think Rice is quite at that that point of his career right now he's clearly got aspirations to go and play at a higher level and, and I don't mean that as disrespect to West Ham. He wants to play Champions League football each week. He wants to be somewhere else. So he's not really your leader who's going to be there in maybe two years, three years' time, let alone five, ten years' time, like Noble had his career. And I just wonder who's going to be that uniting force at West Ham. I think Duncan's right as well. Immediately, I was thinking of Moyes' time at Everton, where he would have these seasons that just out of nowhere were awful. And everyone's like, well, hang on, where's this team that finished sixth, seventh, whatever last season? It was quite staggering the drop off he had throughout his time at Everton. It wasn't like they were a consistent, sorry, consistent tenth place team. They would yo-yo up and down. And mm. I wonder if that's going to be West Ham this under Moyes as well. You're going to have these great years. You get European runs. You'll have a load of fun, and then maybe the next season you're going to be down in 14th, 15th. But you've just got to stay the course and go with it. But I think the problem for Moyes this season is the the break in the season with the World Cup is giving going to give clubs a good opportunity to change manager, and it no. feels like. Moyes will be one of those. Well, I mean, 
I mean, I mean Graham, fair, you factored that into your prediction that only four <laughs> managers will get sacked this season, definitely, didn't you? So, yeah, like halfway there. I, I, I mean, I, I don't think anybody really saw Tuchel getting the boot as quickly as he did. I thought, thought it would be a lot more than just a falling out with whoever. Scott Parker, it's funny, it's two clubs who weren't really able to make changes in the transfer market in Bournemouth and Leicester, who I had Brendan going, I will be honest, I did think Leicester would remove him at some point this season. Um, I just feel that the time had passed for his time there and it was a case of moving on. Um, but yeah, someone like Moyes, I still don't, I, I think West Ham stay the course with him. I think that you're going to need a, a reassuring hand to bring it all together, certainly in that second half running. But as you say, we now, when this international break comes to an end, we've got a fascinating sprint through to the World Cup, to the World Cup coming up. We have got plenty of Premier League football. And all of a sudden, we're talking right now about where teams are in the league. We asked earlier in the show, have Arsenal been tested yet? They're going to be tested over this period. They're going to be really tested throughout this spell. And can they carry that through? Uh, and I think it will be the same for some of these clubs down the bottom. We might be talking about someone being right off the bottom. It could be Leicester. It really could be. It could be we get into the World Cup and Leicester really are in the doggies doo-doos and they're going to have to use the World Cup to try and turn it around. I think we're going to lose three. <laughs> yeah. I think we're going to lose three managers before the World Cup. I reckon Steve Cooper, I think Brendan Rodgers, and I think Bruno Large at Wolves. They are the only team worse than West Ham in that period as well. And I think they've been, they've had a bit of a free ride from from many in the press because maybe the expectation isn't there with Wolves, but they've made some. Big I think Wolves have been a bit unlucky, really. They 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 just can't score. You know, Kevin De Bruyne is the top scoring player at Molyneux in 2022, which is not ideal because he plays for Manchester City. So, um, being able to score is quite an integral part of the game, though. Don't yeah, it? no, I'm, I'm aware of that. Um, yeah, I like <laughs> the goals as well. They're good. Um, but I'm just saying that, you know, they have brought in Diego Costa, obviously. Um, you know, they've had a lot of injuries as well. So, I think, yeah, I, I don't disagree that he, he's under pressure, but I think if he did go, it'd probably be a bit harsh. I think he's... He's a better manager than the than the results are showing at the moment. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention actually was um, the return of draws to the Premier League. So we've had, you know, like draws have sort of dwindled away in the last few seasons. Um, back in eighteen nineteen, only eighteen point seven percent of games ended level, which is the the lowest in Premier League history. You go back to the start of the Premier League era, sort of, you know, twenty nine, thirty, thirty one percent of games ended level. This season, it's up at 28, which is way higher than it has been for ages. And if you look at, you know, a team like Newcastle, um, who haven't won since the opening day, but have only lost once as well, and that was probably a bit harsh, but they've drawn five. You know, Liverpool, you know, they will point to their three draws as well, that, which has put, you know, pushed them lower. So I think, you know, even Man City have drawn a couple. Um, so I think it probably speaks to, A, the competitiveness of the league is probably a bit better this season than it has been. Um, and what people forget as well is that when there's more draws, you, you tend to get better title races because, you know, it's if people are dropping points. I mean, we've had a couple of seasons where City and Liverpool barely not dropped any points for the last few months. And it's, you know, it's, it's sort of exciting, but it's also like, oh, look, they both just won again. Oh, look, they both just won again. So I think, you know, I think this season we are seeing some, uh, some more unusual results. So, um, yeah, hopefully that will continue. And I guess, again, the, the World Cup being in the middle of the season will uh, probably only... Any add to that as well? 
And the return of the draws is obviously good for all those pools panels players who are still out there just mittering around and waiting to see if it's a one or a two or not. I mean, that's an exciting thing. I haven't thought about that. You know, my dad will be happy. Uh, anyway, right then, uh, that pretty much does it for us, I think, today. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, whether you joined us on our YouTube, Twitch, or Twitter account. All of those available for you to watch as at Optranalyst. Or, of course, you downloaded and subscribed and liked and reviewed our podcast, which is available across all your favourite podcast platforms and a few shoddy ones as well for now though we'll be back when the premier league returns enjoys the international break each and every one but half of duncan ollie and matt thank you very much for watching and we will see you again soon <laughs>